0: you know uh probably been been good if i could have waited until everybody got here for this lesson but <clears throat> obviously the lord saw that you needed it <laughs> just kidding um uh, <clears throat> i want to i want to uh title this and when i title this your your eyes are going to going to get a little bit wider and you're going to think whoa we are going to get it today so just in advance, why don't you just turn to somebody and say, "You're going to get it today." Oh, praise God, <clears throat> praise the Lord. I'm going to talk about the Church of Laodicea. Okay, let's let's search Revelation. This is one of the most interesting books uh, studied in the Bible. Uh, There's there's several studies you you know people people are always talking about revelations they're always talking about about what's in there the 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 hidden things that are in there that that uh, bringing to light that that you know explains so many things and and uh, and there is a lot of information in that and there is a lot in that that is very very plain and so it's written by the apostle John. And so John makes it very, very plain. Let's, let's look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel <clears throat> unto his servant John. By his angel unto his servant John. You can be seated so the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, revelation. The you know the Greek word for for revelation is a, a apocalypse. And so uh, when you begin to look at that, it, uh what what basically does that mean? What does that what does that mean to us? Well, it means one thing: disclosure. It means appearing. It also means. Coming it means enlightenment and uh, manifestation, and also revealing. There's a lot to look at here, and so uh, there's there's a lot of prophetic things in in uh, Revelations. There's a lot of uh, uh, direction in Revelation of of concerning what the end time is going to be and some some events that are going to come past come to pass, but. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot to look, so, so let's go to uh, the book of Revelations into 1 and verse number 17, and, and let's look at this very, very quickly. And when I saw him, verse number 17, Revelations 1, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John, the revelator. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. Verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen. Write the things that you, that, uh, you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. I believe this is, this is talking about uh, the things that you've seen past, present, the things that are, and the things that, that that will be hereafter, so the future. So write the things of the past, the present, and the future. Now in verse number 20, it gets a little more interesting. It says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angel's of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So there are seven stars and uh, seven angel or seven candlesticks, and uh, and so uh, John quotes Jesus word for word here. Now this is this is really interesting because if you have a red letter edition, the words of Jesus are written in red letters. Isn't that notable? Because I believe that the whole book should be read letter, just personally. But it's, it's interesting because uh, many times people will say, I would rather believe the words of Jesus than the words of the apostles. Well, we, we learned in our, in our uh, 90 verses in 90 days, what, what did we learn? Second Timothy 316, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse number 17, I even learned one extra. That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished into all good works. Whoa, man, is that not great? <laughs> you weren't impressed. But when we begin to look at this, nowhere else is it found except the Gospels have, have the, the direct words, quotations of Jesus, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And also it's found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 where Paul is quoting word for word about, uh, about communion. And so, so suddenly here in, in Revelations jumps out this. That John affirms that, and and the reason is this, is John wants us to understand that Jesus is talking directly to you and to me. He's talking to us. He's speaking directly to us. John reveals that Jesus is the ancient of days. He said he, he laid his hand upon me. Now this is this is John that knew him very very intimately. This is John that 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 walked with him and this is John that was close to him and 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 John that laid his head on Jesus breast at the last supper and John that that uh, uh one of the one of the apostles said and what is this guy going to do? And so Jesus answered if you know if he Tarries, if he's alive till I come, what's that to you guys? So it was commonly reported that John would not die. We knew he, we know he died. And so, but, but the, the important thing is, is John knew him as Jesus. He probably didn't have quite the understanding. He was there on, on, uh, on the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there and he saw his, 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 his raiment change. He saw his countenance change. And, and, uh, and he, he heard those voices of those that talked to him. He knew that, that there was something special. He knew that he was the son of God. There was no doubt. But here he understands not only is he a son of God, not only is, the, is he the son of man, but he's God almighty. Almighty. He he lays his hand upon John and he said, I am the first and the last. I am God. I am, just so you're aware, John, I am the one that was alive, the one that walked and talked with you. I was the one that died on Calvary and now I am alive forevermore. And not only that, I have the keys of hell and of death. And so when you begin to look at this, and as you begin to to see as John uh, reveals to us just exactly what he looked like, and and just exactly what was going on, uh, Jesus gives a message to the seven churches of Asia Minor. But we know he is speaking to us also we know he is speaking to the church also in this latter day and so scholars believe that that uh, these seven churches also represent seven church ages i you know i i'm sure it probably does and i i'm i'm not exactly uh sold on all of those ideas but i do know one thing That he was speaking to the church of this day and of this hour. I understand that he was talking to generations I understand that that he was targeting that that uh, the, those early churches that that was in Asia Minor but it goes beyond those early churches and it speaks to every generation and every age and every time and every people that that are upon the face of the earth it is one of those messages that are timeless it's one of those messages that reach to every every person you can look in the word of God and and you can find that there are stories and there are there are writings about those uh, Job and, and of different ones at different time periods of, of, of the Bible and, and six and seven thousand or five and six thousand years ago and ages upon ages ago, but we understand that it also pinpoints and targets our life today. You can read any scripture. You can you can begin to pray and you can begin to seek God, Pastor Jason. And you can look into the Word of God. Perhaps it's the Psalms. Perhaps it's First Samuel or, or maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's Exodus or Genesis. Wherever you want to be and wherever you land in the Word of God, but you can know assuredly that Jesus Christ is speaking to us even right now. Hallelujah. This word of God is so incredible that it it transcends the ages. It goes beyond days and it it speaks to every heart that opens the word of God. Wow. You turn into those pages of a dusty old book that says thee and thou and you almost get lost in, in that vernacular tongue of the day or speech of the day. But yet, Jesus Christ speaks to us today. We feel the presence of God. So let us realize that there was one church that Jesus was speaking to of these seven churches. The church of Laodicea. And it fits the description of our generation today. In fact, we have often been referred to as the church of Laodicea. I'm not talking about this particular church. I'm talking about uh, generalization of all churches. The church of Laodicea. The church of, of today. If, well, if that's true. If that is correct, there's a lesson we need to learn from this message from Jesus. So let's, let's turn there and, and let's read it in Revelations 3 in verse number 13. Excuse me. Revelations 3 verse number 13. First of all, he's speaking to us right now. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that has two ears. It's not what it says, is it? He that hath an ear. If you can just hear a little bit, Jesus is speaking to us. Perhaps you can't hear, but you can read or you can have sign language. Verse number 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Takes us back in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Verse 15. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now listen to verse number 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. And then one of the most Incredible verses to finish that up. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Verse 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Verse twenty-two: He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. If you have an ear, Jesus said, you need to hear. You must hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. Now, <clears throat> it it addresses that to the angel of the church. It is believed by many that the this implies a messenger or pastor, the angel, and. And so, <clears throat> I know you think I'm an angel. That's really not what it's talking about. But it's, it's basically talking about an overseer. Somebody that gives, brings forth the message, that, that tells the message. And so, you know, <clears throat> uh, when we look at that, we, we need to say, okay, all right, what was the, what was the basic problem? Of Laodicea, what was the glaring problem that was there? What was it that Jesus could just could not abide? What was it? Well, we know all of us, if asked that question, if we polled and said, What was that obviously obvious question? Every one of us would probably get it right. They were lukewarm. Not on fire for God. So what defines lukewarmness well Jesus defined that when he talked about works I know thy works in other words your works are not measuring up your deeds are not measuring up what really does a church that is on fire do what is a a church that, that is on fire what exactly do they do now It's not just pinpointing what a church on fire does, but it's pinpointing what a a person on fire does. Jesus said, I would that you were cold or hot. Why would he say something like that? I want you to be hot or, or cold. Because when you're hot or you're cold... The choice is simple and easy. When you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> when you're... <laughs> How did I go there? <laughs> oh, you know, <clears throat> that's that's sometimes a curse of mine. At the wrong time, I can remember the strangest stuff. I can, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's funny around our house that that we'll be, we'll be eating, all the family will be together, and, and suddenly somebody will say something, and just out of the blue, a song comes to my mind. And I have to sing it. And, I, you know, I don't know all of it but many times, but I just sing a word or phrase of it, and the kids will just shake their head like, oh, man, where did this come from? You know, I just wish I could remember Scripture like that. And so, you know, we, we we know this. Let's let's get back to where we, we were. What what does a what does a church or an individual on fire do? What about our what about our past? What about our uh, experience with God? What what do we uh, feel about that? How how do we explain that? How do we uh, describe that? Well, another song comes to mind. I was born in the fire of a Pentecostal flame. Praise God. We are defined by fire. In fact, we are <clears throat> we don't believe that we're literally baptized that, you know, there was there's a church that believes fire baptized, that actually fire comes down. And, well <clears throat> we are fire baptized, we just you know, it's, it's here. It's the, the fire of the Holy Ghost, the presence of, of God that, that moves upon us and, and, and the presence of God that makes us do things that, that normally we wouldn't do, the presence of God that calls us to an altar, the presence of God that, that, that moves upon us. We, how are we defined as Pentecostals? When somebody says Pentecostals, what really do they mean? They're meaning holy rollers. They're meaning people that are loud in their worship, people that ex- are exuberant, people that run, people that shout. It's what it used to mean. What, what is Pentecost? Well, we, we understand it as, as people that, that, uh, that were filled with the Holy Ghost. People that were born in in, in a in an experience of, of where they came to an altar and they repented of their sins and God wonderfully filled them with the Holy Ghost and and it is fire shut up in our bones and and we we are just uh, consumed with with the presence of God and so as as defined by Pentecost that as the church. Uh, What does the church on fire do? The individual on fire? They are known by their worship. They are defined by their worship to God. They pull out all the stops and begin to worship, begin to magnify God. And those that worship God are marked by something else. They give themselves to prayer. A worshiping church is also a praying church. And so they're, they're defined by their worship, the works, the deeds. They're defined by their spending time with prayer, spending time with pra- in prayer with Jesus Christ. They fast that chains and bondages are broken. Worshippers of Jesus live in repentance And have overcome sin. That's what worshipers of Jesus do. They do right and live righteously. You know, the word goes on to say that, as Jesus described it, and I'll I'll be kind of paraphrasing it. In other words, that lukewarmness is an acquired attitude. A mindset. You know, so when you look at it, the affluent society, uh oh, it's got kind of quiet in here suddenly. Here's what Jesus said because you say, I am rich. And increased with goods because you say, I have need of nothing. Now, first of all, let me clear the air for just a moment. Jesus is not condemning people for having things, Jesus is not condemning people for having wealth, Jesus is not condemning people for being prosperous. In fact, what what does the Bible teach us? What does the very basics teach us to be good stewards of what you have, to lay up? Well, it says to not lay up for on earth treasures, but to lay up treasures in heaven. But also, we're we're told in in the Word of God to be good stewards and and uh, and to prepare ourselves. It talks in Proverbs about the the uh, the 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 ant, and it talks about uh, the grasshopper and it, and it talks about the different ones that, that uh, just live from day to day. God wants us to be the good stewards. So let's look at Abraham for just a moment. Here was a guy that had nothing whatsoever. Uh, Wrong. He was fabulously blessed. He was one of the richest men in his time period. He was he was very rich in in stuff, cows and cattle and and sheep and and all sorts of animals. He's, he was very very rich. God had blessed him. You look at the the life of of David, and so so here is here is David, a man after God's own heart. Sure. He had problems and he had sin in his life, but David repented. And so when, when you look at David, David was, was wonderfully blessed of God. And, and I this is what I believe. God blesses all those that follow him. God wants to bless your life. But here is the problem when you begin to, to not only just say, but you remember I said that lukewarmness is an attitude. So when you begin to feel in this attitude, I am rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. Well, the attitude is this: is that you get to the place and to the point to where you don't need God. Why? I can buy it myself. I can get it myself. That's what God hates. God wants his people to be blessed. God wants his people to prosper. God wants his people to have stuff. God wants his people to, to love him more than their stuff. God wants his people to value his presence more than the things that they have. And so so in, in 3 John. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Now, prosper, among other things, according to Strong's, means good business success. But when our allegiance and our trust is on what we have and not on who he is, then we are in trouble. And so the call of the church this day, it's not wrong to have stuff, but it is wrong when our stuff controls us when our stuff moves us. I don't really need God because I have things. We may not say that, but our attitude will reflect that. I don't pray unless I need something. I don't approach God unless there's something desperate that I need from him. Worship of God and prayer becomes self-serving. I pray and I serve God when I need something or when I'm I'm, I'm feeling good and I, I just got some more stuff so I can praise God really, really well. We praise God. We worship God in spite of everything. A passion that is born of that fire, a passion that is born of that prayer, worship of God and prayer uh, to, to those that are lukewarm warm becomes self-serving. It is for my benefit, not God's benefit. I want to feel good. I don't worship. I don't pray unless I have a need. Jesus says, anoint your eyes so that you can see. When we become lukewarm, Jesus chastens us. Listen to Revelations 3 and verse number 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Anybody here been chastened by the Lord? I have often. I don't really like it. You know, Be real honest with you, I've been chastened in school. I think I've told you that there were about 40 of us when I was in the seventh grade that they lined up and every one of them got a paddle. Didn't receive a paddle, they got a paddling. And I, very quickly, I was smart back then. Very quickly I looked and I saw where she was started from and I got on the other end of the line. By the time she got to me, she had... No real strength. <clears throat> yeah, i will never, I'll never forget. And I, I think I've told you this too. Is, is uh, my dad? I remember one time getting the uh, getting the razor strap. Oh, still remember it today. It's forever stamped in my mind. And I remember that razor strap. I guarantee you guys, it was this long and about this wide, and man, oh, I hate to say this publicly, but I think it left a mark (laughs) or two, and so years later, my mother had this little box, and she said, David, would you like some stuff of your dad's? Well, you know, when my dad passed away, that they divided a lot of everything that he had and, and, and gave it to all of us and different ones. But every now and then, my mother would give me something. And uh, this was right before she passed away. She gave me a little box. And in this box was the razor strap. Brother Raymond, I can tell you, I took that strap out and I looked at it and I was so amazed. That thing was only this long. And it was only about this wide. I could not believe it. I said, Mama, that's not the same one. And she says, Yes, it is. It was hanging by the mirror. I remember it well. So we've, we've all been chastened, have we not? We've all felt the chastening of the Lord. But the problem is, is sometimes we get upset and we get, begin to pout. It doesn't mean that, that God is badgering you, that God is pushing you down. It means he loves you just tremendously. He loves you in an amazing way. Repent. Repent. Repent of putting ourselves and what we want before God. Let's affirm to place God first in everything. Let's dedicate to consistent prayer. Let's focus our lives, our strength on worship to God. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You see, Jesus is knocking right now. He's got some tremendous things in your future. He's got some blessings around the corner. He's got some answers for you and and for your family, but you've got to hear him. You've got to listen for that knocking. Are we hearing? Or is the sound of the knocking drowned out by the cares of this world? Listen to the voice of Jesus as he speaks directly to us. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hallelujah. Why don't we just stand together? You see, the Lord loves the church so much. Just from the outsider looking in, it would almost seem like the church of Laodicea is a church that God hates, a church that is destined for failure. I don't read anywhere. who feel the Holy Ghost. I don't read anywhere in the Bible. I don't read anywhere in the Word of God that God testifies, or God speaks that there is somebody that is destined for failure. We are not predestinated. We're predestinated to glory. That's, that's if, if you'll do what God says, There's it's a given. God's going to help you. God's going to answer. But here is what I believe. I believe the greatest opportunity is before us. We this is not an age. This is not a time of, of desperation. It is not a time of, of uh, that you just might as well forget because it's the it's the the church of Laodicea and nothing will ever God says if you will hear me, if you'll respond to the voice of God, if you would begin to call upon God, yes, you we may be abundantly blessed. Every one of us in this house are marvelously blessed. Compared to third world countries. But understand this. It is not just what our stuff has. But God. I want you to be the focus in my life. I want you to be the most important part in my life. And if I can have that in my life. God will wonderfully move upon us. And put a fire within our hearts. Let's, let's focus on this. As we close with prayer, let's focus on this. I'll affirm to do a better job praying. I want to affirm to not let my blessings be to my detriment. I want to affirm that that I will, that I will, I will look to God and I will make God my hope and my inspiration. That my first choice will be looking to God and not trying to figure it out myself. Hallelujah. Could we worship the Lord? Oh God, I pray, oh Lord. God, I pray that there would be a tremendous understanding